Sales Tuners, Episode 68, Dale Dupree, General Manager at Zeno Office Solutions. The idea of having an agenda on your way in outside of trying to sell something is super important. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody's hands go up. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Phil Clay, who said resilience is, of course, necessary for a warrior, but a lack of empathy isn't. Joining me today is the copier warrior, Dale Dupree. Dale may just be one of the most prolific LinkedIn connectors I've ever met. He knows no strangers and posts his learnings daily as a way for him to connect with others. He grew up in what he claims to be the boring copier business, but today he's the general manager of Zeno Office Solutions, a Xerox company. With Dale's creativity and energy, we had a lot of fun in this conversation. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. You've heard me talk about them for a couple of months now, but you have to check out Costello. It's a deal management platform that aligns frontline sales reps, managers, and VPs so they can work together to consistently close more deals. They help reps get the right deal information from prospects, give reps and managers visibility into the quality of every deal, and help sales leaders understand what's working and what's not. Check it out at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. Make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 68. But now let's get to the conversation where Dale claims to have toner ink running through his blood. My dad actually started a copier company back in 1984 to kind of give you a full idea of the story of you know what it is that makes my heart beat and my blood run. With a few bucks in the bank and a non-compete heavy on his shoulders, he headed outside of his territory where he could start a copier company in little old Titusville, Florida, which is uh, the Space Coast, as we like to call it. Um, and for 30 years, he ran uh, his company out there. And so as a child, I, I sweep the floors, clean the toilets. Um, as a teenager, I helped him set machines up. He even had me doing service at one point. What a nightmare that was. Um, but then I got a little bit older and, and actually had been touring uh, with a band. Uh, so I was good at talking to people. And my dad uh, said to me, hey, man, you're so good with the spotlight. Why don't you come and bask in it in uh, the sales world <laughs> and started throwing me uh, to the lion's den, really? You know, me, uh, the bright and, and smiley uh, front uh, uh, singer for a, for a metal band, walking into a suit and tie scenario with a couple guys, you know, that make decisions about tens of thousand dollars worth of equipment and not $13 in CD sales. Well, that's incredible. And speaking of family, you know, Dupree, uh, that name has some French origin, but you don't have any French ancestry. How in the world did this happen? (laughs) So this one, this one's, uh, this is a funny one, right? Because there's really no one in my family on my dad's side that can really pinpoint exactly where we come from. But the rumor mill is that, uh, sometime in the 1700s, whoever it was that came over, my greatest great great grandfather and his family changed the name and made it something inconspicuous so that uh, they could run from something, I guess. Just 
Uh, not really 100% sure exactly if if that is an accurate statement to make, but it's something we've always joked about. <laughs> well, listen, I don't want the FBI tracking you down via this podcast, so we'll get away from that. But I want to know a little bit more about what you're doing today, and then we'll flash back. But talk to me about your sales process today. What is Zeno Office Solutions, and why does a typical customer buy from you? I've taken on the challenge of molding a team, um, a great team at that. Uh, and so far, it's been an excellent transition. Uh, I've enjoyed the enthusiasm of the guys and girls that, that I've come uh, to join and to lead. But what, I, what I'm doing for them is, is basically teaching them the successes behind my existence inside of the copier um, industry altogether. So uh, essentially what I'm doing for them is kind of forming their eight to five, right? And, and for me personally, I come from a very, very boring industry. The copier world is not something that's sexy. People don't look at it and go, oh man, I would love to go and, and do that. <laughs> it's, it's not a desired industry or vertical by any means. So I decided to flip that on its head. Um, I, I have a big, bright personality from playing in a band for so many years and just having such creativity, you know, running through my blood. Um, as a child, my mom likes to say that I could walk around the lake and I could come back inside with a story that would make you think that I'd spent 22 days in Asia traveling by foot. Now, you, you, Del, you've done a great job of differentiating yourself and, and especially being becoming known in the Orlando market, and you said it, not me, in a pretty boring industry. What are some of the things that you've done to try to set yourself apart? I think a lot of copier people get angry when I say that, but honestly, it's a reality that we have to embrace. Uh, we, we are in a boring industry. Uh, matter of fact, one of my favorite copier dealerships in the state of Florida is called Boring Business Systems. I no think that's way. probably, I'm dead serious. It's, it's probably one of the best names I've ever heard. Unfortunately, the, the gentleman who started his name is Dean Boring, right? So it wasn't necessarily, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't necessarily something he thought up for that reason, but man, what a great name, right? And actually, when I first heard that name is when I started to think, you know, that's, that's brilliant because we do live in a very boring industry. So from my perspective, what I decided to do was just what a lot of people look at is weird or off the wall marketing where you could see images of me battling copiers with swords or uh, using the force on them in like a Star Wars themed uh, background. Um, I had a couple of individual letters that I used to pass out and still do pass out. Uh, one of them being the coffee stain letter, another one being the crumpled letter that get people's attention and make it less boring. And, and to be honest with you, a lot of times I do state straight up, are you tired of the same old boring copier company or the copier salesperson that just calls you every four to five years to get some money out of you? And, you know, is it really taking the, the kind of care of you that you would have hoped um, and building that relationship? I want to talk about all these things. You mentioned right there the the uh, coffee stain or the the crumpled letter. Tell me more about that. What What's that all about? I can't take full um, credit for the crumpled letter version of it. Actually, it was an old real estate um, ploy back in the early 2000s. But I got to give a shout out to, to my, my cousin, Mike Dawkins, who had actually sent me um, a crumpled letter just to show me that what he was doing. And I had seen it before, but never in the way that he presented it. And so it, it sparked some interest on my end to kind of put something together to make a buyer look at a copier guy differently, right? And that's that's the whole idea. The coffee stain letter is basically a folded up, what would kind of look like napkin or a coaster, I would like to say. So, But it's a piece of paper and there's a coffee stain ring right in the middle and, and it says, read me. So that the end user, the, the client would open that up and as they read through it, basically what it would say is, 
you know, most of the, the sales junk that you get is just that, right? So instead of you throwing this away, I made you a nice coaster for you to put your coffee on in the morning and think of me. Nice. So is this something that you're just delivering to them uh, in person? Typically, you do it in person because you you get a warm touch on them, but also you've got a reason to be there. So when you see the front desk lady that a lot of people call the window witch or, you know, they got lots of names <laughs> for her, right? But I personally believe that she is the key to the business. Uh, you know, she knows that Sally hates the copier. She knows that Jim can't print from his computer. And so he bought a little desktop device. She knows all the ins and outs, right? She knows everything going on inside of the industry. And so making her your friend is super important. And so dropping off a letter in person gives you the opportunity also to take a couple minutes and, and get to know her better without having any agenda. I'm fascinated by this. The the idea of true, I'm going to call it door-to-door sales in the, in the business-to-business world is fascinating. But on most of these doors, in most of these spaces, Dale, it says clearly no soliciting. So how are you getting beyond that? You know, it's awesome. I, I had a guy that worked for me. His name was Tom Mullins. Great guy. And, and he told me one time that when somebody would say, didn't you read the sign? That he would respond to them and say, well, I'm not asking for money to do tricks. So I'm not really technically soliciting. But you bring up a great point in that People just hate it when you walk in that front door, right? So there's only two reasons you walk in. One, you're a customer. Two, you're a salesperson. Yeah, <laughs> that's sure. basic, It's basically what it is, right? So the idea of having an agenda on your way in outside of trying to sell something is super important because if you walk in bleeding sales, you're, you're going to smell like it. You're going to look like it. There's no denying it, uh, even in the way you dress and, and your mannerisms. But but if you have this idea of, you know what, I'm just dropping off a letter or I'm dropping off this crazy marketing piece or, or even knowing that as you hand it to the front desk person before they get it back to Jim or Susie, the decision maker, that they're going to look at it and and hopefully you can captivate them with it and make them laugh and start a conversation. And if it's relevant, because a lot of my marketing will be relevant, it'll be some kind of pop culture reference or, or image so that the, the the person at the front desk, who's typically young in our generation, I mean, most of the time it's a millennial that's up at the front. You know, they'll start that conversation with you and, and it's a great tool to getting back to that decision maker. You're talking, I mean, this is the concept of field sales, which uh, it seems like is almost a dying breed, if you will. A lot of people are hiding behind the phones and hiding behind email and things like that. So can you get specific? Like when you go strike up that conversation, what might it sound like? I love the phones. Um, I mean, one of my favorite books is Fanatical Prospecting. And yeah, by I, I love it. Yeah, I'm a great guy. I, I think he's got a lot of great ideas. And in the end, like his concept and and, and what he is telling people to do when it comes to activity is so important, right? And so what, from my perspective, and, and just having this culture of friendship, you know, from the perspective of how my dad raised me to be as a human, not as a salesperson, right? And just kind of adapting that. A lot of people talk about separating your identity and your role, but, and I do believe that to a degree when it comes to politics and, you know, things that someone else might not agree with you on, right? But when it comes down to the, raw human emotion of friendship or of knowing the person on the other side of the desk or the salesperson that walks in the front door. I think that's a very important piece of the puzzle that we overlook and, and that we don't give a chance to. But when when you give someone the option of having a chance 
to get to know you. I, I think that 85 to 90% of the time, they'll be interested to speak with you. And that's just in my personal experience. But walking in front of somebody through their door to talk to them is 100% what nobody else in your industry is doing, especially in copier sales. So why wouldn't you? Why would you not differentiate yourself from everybody else and be different? What do you mean no one else is doing it, especially in copier sales? That's exactly what I thought everybody would be doing in copier sales. You would think so, right? But I just got done interviewing, you know, in my transition of coming to Zeno from my last company, um, the one the one my father built. Um, I actually, I found that a lot of folks that I was talking to and interviewing with that phones were the number one way for them to to nurture and cleanse lists and then set an appointment. And so typically the first time that someone at, at ABC company sees a salesperson is when they go for the appointment. Wow. That's I, wild. my mind is blown. So you talked about the phones. You love the phones as well. How are you using the phones then uh, in your space? We have some fun scripts that we that we utilize, and and honestly, the way that we tie things in, because we do, we tie everything in. Okay, we're we're not necessarily we ask for John Smith, the decision maker, when we're at the office, when we drop off our marketing, or when we when we go into to leave a coffee stain letter, but we don't necessarily speak with that person, right? That's that's like one out of ten that we get to see them. If we make an impact, if we differentiate ourselves. If the customer feels that we've got something special, sure, we get to see them. Personally, I mean, I I have a, a pretty good success rate with it. But when you're first teaching someone how to do it, they've got to get the hang of it, right? And so the process is, is that the phone is where you end up at the end of the day. And, and most of the time, you're making 40 to 50 calls, and you're calling on the 40 to 50 letters, uh, coffee stain letters, or the marketing pieces you dropped off. And so when you call, you ask for Angela at the front desk. You ask her to push you back to John Smith, right? And she'll typically remember you because you've stopped in to see her. So she's not necessarily going to ask you why you're calling. She, oh, hey, nice to hear from you. Hold on. Let me see if he's in. Um, and then when you get him on the line, you got something to talk about. Hey, man, did you get my coffee stain letter? What'd you think? 99% of the time when, when we talk to that decision maker, when we actually speak to that decision maker, I'm not talking about the front desk lady, you know, guarding him and opening the letter first. But when we actually get the letter in his hand or her hand and they open it and read it and we talk to them, we get an appointment. And that's the that's the key to sales, right? You, you can't sell anything to anybody until you get that appointment. I've done several things like that myself. I've actually, most recently, I sent out an autographed baseball that I autographed myself with a, a nice letter that I talked about my dream of being a, a, a ball player, you know, when I grew up. Unfortunately, I failed and now I'm in sales. Um, I've sent out airplane bottles of alcohol with custom labels on it that would say something like, how about a taste? And you're right, Dale, when you call behind that and you start having that conversation, they take those calls. That's a great piece of marketing right there for 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 anybody that's trying to break into an industry, especially from the sales perspective. You got to think too, like, let's sure, I work for Zeno Office Solutions and, and they're one of the largest copier dealerships in the state of Florida and connected to one of the largest groups, Xerox, in the entire world, right? But that doesn't mean that ABC company is just going to talk to me when I knock on the door because there's another guy down the street that works for the competition that's been selling the machines for 30 years, right? So how am I going to come in and break that mold and, and be the disruptor, right? And I, I, I'm not a big fan of the word disruptor, but but I've been hearing it a lot more lately. And I think used in the right context, 
It has a lot to do with what I'm trying to accomplish with my reps and in sales, which is really just to make people think outside the box when looking at their sales rep and looking at the company that's supporting them and, and, and to kind of make them question whether or not they need to speak with you in the first place. One of the questions that you talk about is why do you ask? Help me with that. Like, Why, why is it that salespeople can't ask that question? I really wish that I had the answer for that right there. And as a matter of fact, you would have loved the conversation I had last night because the the three of us that were talking about why can't salespeople do this, we're literally red in the face talking about. <laughs> and, and 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 honestly, we can all talk about the successes behind it, but I think where people need to focus on is what they're not getting out of the appointment or out of that initial call or or out of the sale because they lost it because they're not asking enough questions or the right questions at that. You have to focus on the customer's agenda and what they want, right? If you sit down with a customer and they've got eight bullet points of things they want and you don't ask them why they chose those eight bullet points individually, you'll never know. You'll think in your head as a salesperson, no problem. I'll put together a solution for these eight bullet points. But how do you know that the eight bullet points weren't made by another sales rep <laughs> and 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 not the buyer, right? <laughs> so yeah. getting to the bottom of those things is so important. And if you don't ask why, you're never going to know. So I mean, I don't know that I ever really say much other than ask questions when I'm in a sales cycle until we're at the very end and it's time for the close. It's just amazing to me that people go in, as you said, they'll just go and start answering all the questions like, whoa, 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 hold up. Why are they asking those questions? Because more often than not, the first question they ask you or the first objection they give you is a lie. And if Agreed. you just unpack and go a little bit deeper, you'll understand. And you even mentioned like that might have been a list put together by the competitor, right? And so again, one of the things that I know is your best customer is your competitor's number one prospect. And Absolutely. so if you're not out there doing that as kind of setting traps for your your competitors, well, uh, you, there, there's some challenges there. You, uh, from, from 2010, Dale, to 2006, you had secured 90% of the accounts that you targeted there in, in the Orlando area. That's an incredible winning percentage. How on earth did you accomplish that? I just used these ridiculous processes, to be quite frank with you. I mean, I I knew what I was doing at eight o'clock in the morning. I do, knew what I was doing at eight o'clock at night. One of the big things I incorporated too into my sales structure was networking. I would go to at least two networking events a week and I wouldn't go to them to try and get business. I would go to find new people that I could essentially align myself with that needed contacts that I currently had. And from giving, I gained a lot of business in that process. Um, in 2016, I didn't do that many cold calls. I say that because uh, the the life of a salesperson is to cold call <laughs> constantly until you're blue in the face. Um, I think that I did a handful of cold calls for that entire year because I was literally running a referral business at that point um, at the firm that I was at. So realistically, what I focused on was relationships, relationship selling. I wasn't looking at somebody as a potential to buy my box, right? And, and and put it in their office and make a bunch of copies and prints on it and pay my company. I was looking at individual people and their successes. A great example would be a company out um, in Brevard County on the million dollar bid with the Navy. Instead of going in there and saying, hey, you guys have a ton of money now, let's, let's buy some office equipment and write it off in your taxes, whatever salespeople say. I ended up writing a letter to the the president of the company and just congratulating him on such an awesome achievement and asking him if I could come in and learn from him. 
Uh, and, and honestly, if your heart isn't there, then just don't do it, right, Jim? Like, and that's what I'm saying more or less is that if you hear these ideas and you think, oh, that would be great for getting a sale, just don't even do it because the authenticity behind that letter was that I genuinely wanted to know <laughs> what this man had done to become so successful. And so that conversation was a couple hours long. We, we found out that we had so much in common, but at the end of the day, a couple weeks later, he called me back up and said, hey, I know you sell copiers. Why don't you come in and talk to my IT guy? It's sincerity. I, you know, I've had Kyle Porter from Sales Loft on the show, and he talks about this concept of sincerity at scale. And and what I talk to all of my clients about, and 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 really anybody I can talk to about sales is when you have and develop real, true empathy for your buyer as a person, as a human being, not just the business. Your world just opens up in a completely different way. So I love that. And like you said, your heart has to be in it. You have to have real intention behind it, not just the fact that if I do this, I can get a sale. But it just goes to show, right? Just having that human touch and human connection can go so far, but it may not happen immediately. And you were okay with that. Up on my whiteboard in my office, and I still do it even at Zeno, I I had a little mission statement that I had created for myself. And it was that my heart longs to learn and aches to serve. And so every day I'd wake up and I'd look at that quote that I, I made for myself as a mission statement, essentially, to align myself with my day and what it is I was trying to accomplish. Because if I wasn't out looking to serve my community with a feverish passion, then I knew I was going to be failing. And so I, I, I just kept myself in that boat where I wasn't out looking to sell copiers. I, I Obviously, at the end of the day, that's what I needed to do to have the success that I have. Um, but I found it genuinely. I found it by going and just asking, hey, can you please help me? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to make an impact in, in my community and this is what I do for a living. And do you know anybody I can talk to? And, you know, what do you, what's your business doing with its workflow processes? Could I be of help to you? Well, speaking of this concept of, you know, referral partners and like you said, going out and just trying to find out how you can help different people. You know, I try to do a lot of research on my on my guests before they come on the show. One of the things I read about you that I found absolutely fascinating was this concept of a referral tool that you use with your clients, where you walk in, you have your name on one side, you have your prospect's name on, or your client's name on the other. You draw a line down the middle and just write the numbers one through 10. And for every person that they write down that uh, they are willing to introduce you to that might have a need for what it is that you do. You're willing to do the same thing for them. I am fascinated by that. Tell me more about it and how it's been working for you. I had sat down with my coach, Ed Jordan, at the time. Um, and I said, what's the easiest way for me to ask for a, a referral? And, and, and honestly, there's two answers to that. One is, is that if you're doing such a dang good job in the first place, that there's no question about whether or not you're the best fit for that company and they're happy, they're going to give you a referral. But I want more than that, right? I, I don't want just one referral. It was kind of my response back to my coach. And so he said, well, if you want to get, you got to give. Um, and so he's the one that actually turned me on to that process. And we talked about just a few minutes ago as well about networking and and the the and just enormous network that I created of people from commercial painters to real estate agents um, to financial advisors, to manufacturers, even of you know widgets and plastics and and random you know aerospace uh, processes. And the first time I did it, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I was a little. My hand was shaking a little bit. I was like, I don't know how this guy's going to respond. He ended up writing three people down. And so what I did is I took the letter and said, I'm going to write your three down as soon as I find them for you. Um, and I within about four days, I think I got him back that letter and I had written four down. Uh, I said, these four people, this was a car insurance agency. And so I wrote four people down that I had talked to about car insurance, right? And said, hey, you mind if I have my buddy call you? And so the best part was when I took that back is 
he'd only give me three, right? Well, he goes, well, I need to give you one more. That's and right. so a week later, he gave me another referral. So I had, I had built a relationship with this guy and instilled a culture of giving between the two of us. And he loved it. And he still does. We have a great relationship to this day. That's the law of reciprocity. If you give, you will get. It just it, it's human nature to do that. Dale, I want to take us to a place that uh, you know definitely is filled with emotion. I know that you know you lost your father uh, just over a year ago, and he he brought you into the business. He brought you to this world. He was your rock, and you you had to make the tough decision to leave the company that he started and eventually sold. One of the posts then on LinkedIn that kind of connected us was this idea of you being back in your territory. And I just want to read real quick uh, the, one of the notes that, that stood out to me. He said, you want to know what I'm doing to make it easier this week? Nothing. I'm not looking for any shortcuts to do to happen this week. I want every second, minute, hour to hurt if necessary, as it was my choice to put me here where I am in the first place. Talk to me about that, what it means for you to be able to get back now into the territory that you grew up in and be able to you know, kind of sell to those same customers again. It's nostalgic to a degree. And I ended up going and trying to become an entrepreneur of sorts, starting a business uh, with some other gentlemen. And uh, it didn't work, right? And, and honestly, the post was to kind of remind myself more than anybody else and anybody that might be struggling with it and trying to figure out what attitude they should take that I'm not going to sit around and play the blame game <laughs> you know, about where I'm at in life. Um, you know, I'm, I am heartbroken over losing my father. I'm mad to some degree as well. And in the stages of grief that, that I've gone through and, and I'm still in, but I understand that everything that I've done up until this point is, is my fault, my decision, right? I, I have to take, um, responsibility for the actions and the decisions that I made. So when, when I decided to leave the company that my father founded and eventually sold, it was tough, man. I mean, I hugged it out with uh, the owners and, and I cried like a baby um, in front of them. I mean, they probably to this day are like, man, Dale's a softy. Uh, but the idea for me is that everything that I know and who I am is, is because of my father. The culture that I live, um, the sales relationships that, that I create every day with my clients, uh, everything that I have done up until this point in my professional career and, and in general, honestly, is from the guidance of that man. And so it, it's been a really tough um, month, you know, being back in this industry and trying to, to dive back in. I believe that I'm in this position and this place for a reason. And, and I want it to hurt in the beginning because I want to learn. I truly want to learn. And I do not believe that we can find success without getting to the bottom and finding failure at the same time. Well, I can only imagine how proud he probably is of you as looking down and, and seeing your growth in that arena. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I know uh, a lot of vulnerability in that. And I, and I don't think you're a softy. I just want to be clear of that. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> Dale, I'm going to take a quick break just so we can say thank you to our sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money round. So you don't go away. And sales sooners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. Pipedrive is the sales CRM built by salespeople for salespeople. I love it because it allows me to visualize my pipeline, highlighting opportunities and potential problems, ensuring I don't drop the important activities and conversations needed. And the managers I work with love it because it's simple and they don't have to nag their team to actually use it. But sales sooners, don't just take my word for it. You can check it out for yourself for free for 30 days at salessooners.com slash pipe drive. We're back. And it's time for the money round. Dale, are you ready for the money round? I'm ready. Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? 
personally, I would say attitude, the, the idea of looking at your life to be that of an exceptional and, and abnormal person, <laughs> um, has been a huge piece of my transformation from, from normal to, to the top. If you were to start over today in sales, what would you tell yourself to spend the next 30 days doing? It's hard to say a specific answer to this because of what we just talked about and, and where I'm at. But I would say the one thing that I would go back and tell myself not to do is send this email to a young lady named Tariq that was the worst email I ever sent in my entire life. And the lady has still not talked to me to this day because of it. <laughs> Two-part question for you here. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? For me personally, though, yes, I love to win. But hating to lose is kind of, I don't know that I could say that I hate to lose, to be quite frank, because I like losing. It helps me to learn better. The winning helps you to learn too, and it gives you a big fuzzy feeling. Um, but, but honestly, I would, I would probably say that I, I hate to lose best describes me. Um, but I also love to lose <laughs> because it, it helps me to better myself, and it's molded me into the man that I am today and the salesperson that I am today. Dale, what's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? The book that I'm really shoving down people's throats is Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. Sales Tuners, if you'd like to check out Dale's suggestion of Fanatical Prospecting for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book, and there you can sign up for a free 30-day trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book, or you can also check out Jeb's episode, which I believe is number 27 here on Sales Tuners. It was definitely one of my favorites, so go check that out. What is currently at the top of your bucket list? Writing a book, which I'm about halfway done with. Dale, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? If I could leave everybody with one thing, uh, it, it would be that the, the same thing that my dad instilled in me, uh, which is integrity. Um, remember that during your daily routines and activities and sales processes to always have integrity. Dale has gone all in on the personal brand of the copier warrior. So if you want to check out his personal TV commercials, you can do that at copierwarrior.com or you can find him on LinkedIn and Twitter under the same name. Let's get to my top takeaways. Number one, break the mold. What do you believe is expected in your specific industry? What are all the other reps doing to call on similar prospects? If you want to stand out and be seen, you've got to do something different. Could you actually walk in your prospect's office? Could you mail them something that gets their attention? Could you write an article about a topic they're interested in and use them for a quote or reference? Quit following all the best practices and use some creativity to actually open doors. Number two, why ask why? I listen to sales calls from my clients every day. In nearly 99% of the recordings, I hear prospects ask questions or give objections and the sales rep immediately answers or gives a rebuttal. But do they know why the prospect is even asking or saying what it is they said? Do you? Wouldn't it be nice to have more context? By simply asking why, most times a prospect will back up and elaborate on their statement, giving you both the opportunity to think as well as gain clarity. Number three, build a power circle. Look, cold calling is hard. I get it. But wouldn't it be nice if all we had to deal with was inbound leads and referrals? Well, the good news is you don't need to rely on your marketing team for that. Whatever industry you're in, figure out the top four to five non-competitive companies or types of companies that also sell to your same customer profile. Reach out to reps from those companies and figure out how to help each other. 
you'll be amazed at the reciprocity. That's it. Those are my takeaways, but I'd love to hear yours. Please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. I reply to every message that I get. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there. And they stay there. What's another word for thesaurus?